Hello, ladies, and welcome to another episode of the She Is Community Podcast. If you haven't had a chance to listen to our last podcast, I shared with you that to finish out the year, we are sharing previous messages from Kim Massingale. Now, today, you have the privilege of hearing her message that she preached at another one of our She Is Community Nights. This one happened back in August of this year, and it was called Freedom. So ladies, lean in and listen to this amazing message by our very own Pastor Kim. So for those of you who attend Summit Church, how many of you were here this past weekend? I'm just curious. Okay, a lot of you. So you already know I taught on freedom this past weekend, and that was because it's a core value of our church. And uh, that was not planned um, when I realized that I was going to be speaking this weekend on freedom, and then I had already planned to teach on freedom tonight. Um, I was like, oh, I did not plan that, but God knew. And um, so tonight is Freedom 2.0 for those of you who were here with me this weekend. If you weren't here with me, even if you're not from Summit Church, you can go back and listen to that message um, because I really break down some um, important ways to get get free. Um, But one of those things we talked about is just being in godly community. And you're all here, so I don't really have to tell you that. But whether you come to Summit Church or not, get plugged into a small group, a Bible study at your local church. Get plugged into a Bible study at your local church. Um, It means everything for your growth, for your discipleship, and for being in godly community. So I'm going to move on. I'm going to pray, actually, is what I'm going to do. Jesus, I just pray that you would have your way. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. You know every single girl and woman who entered this place tonight, you know exactly what she's going through. You know exactly what she's been through. You know her name. You know how many hairs she has on her head. You know how many times she changed outfits today. God, I, you know every detail about her life. And I pray, Father, that you would just meet her right where she's at tonight, that you would meet me right where I'm at tonight, and that you would just have your way in the rest of our time together this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So for those of you who don't attend Summit, you, you won't know this, so I'm not going to tell the whole story, but I lost my father very unexpectedly a month ago. Um, and so I'm, I feel I'm a little raw, I'm a little real, I'm, a, I'm very uh, vulnerable right now, um, and I try to be anyways when I teach, um, but it's especially uh, on display at the moment, and so um, I, I just am so much more um, even grateful for my relationship with God in these moments of grief than um, than I've ever been in my life. And he's so present. For those of y'all who may question whether he's actually real or whether he actually sees you, he does. And it's my prayer that you will experience that tonight. Um, the whole reason why she is exists, the conference, our events, our community, is to see that every woman be rooted and grounded in who she is in Christ. 
and to experience the freedom that only he can give and to run on mission for the good of others and the glory of God. And in June, we talked about what it means to be rooted and who you are in Christ. And so if you missed that, you can go back to that sermon on YouTube. I'd encourage you to do that. Um, And then tonight, we are gonna talk about what it means to actually live out the freedom, to experience freedom, and, and how we do that. And then at the conference, we're gonna be talking about what it means to be marked by God to run on mission for the good of others and the glory of God. Um, but last June, this past June, we discussed that in order to, to know who we are, we first have to know whose we are, that we are the creator of the universe's daughter, that we are the father's daughter, that we are women that can come boldly before his throne and ask of him anything. We also learned that when we surrender our lives to Jesus and we choose to follow him, we become literally a new creation. That scripture says the old is gone, the new has come. We become a new creation and I'm so grateful for that. Because old Kim wasn't so holy. Old Kim was really bound. Old Kim was in need of a savior. And so I'm so thankful that we become a new creation. And then we learned that we have to then surrender our identity so that Christ's identity can come alive in us. And again, tonight we're gonna focus on freedom. And as I was working through my message this morning, I, I was really wrestling. And, and I don't typically do that. I mean, I definitely go to the Lord in prayer before I speak, but it just felt like chaos. I, I had a bunch of notes, a bunch of notes and material that I hadn't used for this weekend's message. And, and I really was convinced that's, that's what I was gonna use. It's what I was gonna preach. I had preached it before. It was gonna be easy peasy. Um, but it did not feel easy peasy this morning. It, it felt difficult. It felt hard. And so I stopped um, about noon and I closed my laptop and I said, okay, Holy Spirit. Okay, Holy Spirit, you, you know the girls and the women who are coming tonight. I don't, I don't know everyone that's coming tonight, but you do. So what do you want them to hear? What do you want them to hear? And he said, sit down, which is what I'm doing, and share with them what I've done for you so that they may too know that they can be free. Now, how many of you have heard my personal testimony? I'm curious. Okay, a lot of you. And I'm, I'm not planning on sharing that in, in totality tonight at all, so I was just curious. But I know if you've been around for any length of time, you know that I love coffee. You know that I love, love, love coffee, not because I love coffee. I do like coffee a lot. But I love what happens across the table from another human being over a cup of coffee. So it can be tea. Mel, um, my husband Mel, the other day, um, <laughs> Emma was talking about hanging out with this, um, this girl and making a new friend. And Mel was like, why don't you go take her for a Coke? 
And she and I both looked at him like, how old are you? Take her for a Coke? Like, is that what kids do these days? And she was like, dad, that's not what we do. So for me, I don't even take people for a Coke, but I will if you want to go for a Coca-Cola. I love sitting across from women over coffee. And the reason why is I love hearing their stories. I love hearing what Jesus has done for them. And um, I know I say it so often, but I wish I could have coffee with every single one of you, I really do. But that would take me a really long time (laughs) over, you know, there's only one Kim and there's only so many hours in the day. But this is what I wanna encourage you, have coffee with each other. Start sitting one-on-one with another woman talking about what Jesus has done for you and listen to what he has done for her. I want you right now to know that as a child of God, that as a daughter of God, you have rights to the kingdom that no one else has. See, when you become a daughter of God, when you choose to follow Jesus and you choose to make him Lord of your life, just like your identity shifts, your freedom shifts. Because I want you to know tonight that just like salvation is not achieved through works, just like salvation is not something you achieve, you receive it by faith, you receive salvation, It's the same way with freedom. We receive it. We don't have to work for it. And I think so often what I see is there are so many girls and women striving to be a good girl. And you're exhausted. And you're worn out. And you keep thinking, why can't I just get it together? Why can't I do better? But it's because we have to shift in how we see this thing. It is received. God is not withholding from you freedom. You can receive it. And I believe you're going to receive it right now if you ask him. In this room tonight, I believe you are going to receive freedom if you ask for it. A few months ago, I had a coffee date with a medical professional in our church, and, um, and she isn't able to be here tonight, but she shared with me her burden for the women in our community. And she just said, Kim, multiple times a day when I'm treating people, and I, she sees a ton of patients every single day, multiple times a day, I'll hear women come in and they'll say, I just feel so broken. And she's not a therapist. She's a medical professional. She said, multiple times a day, I'll hear women say, I'm just broken. I just feel broken. I just am exhausted. And she said, the word broken is what she hears most of the time. And she was burdened especially because most of these women also proclaim to be Christ followers. So she said, Kim, there's something not lining up. (laughs) Because while we are not perfect as Christ followers and will never be, freedom does not equal perfection. 
which is what I thought for a very long time. I thought freedom equals perfection. That is not it, because you will always need Jesus. You will always need freedom. You will always need him to rescue you. But she was burdened, especially because a lot of these women stated that they were believers. The reason I love hearing testimony videos, the reason why at She Is Conference we show story videos is because I want to infuse in other women hope that Jesus still sets free today, that he still changes lives, that he still picks us up out of our pits and he rescues us and he sets us free and he gives us hope. Because there's nothing like hearing what Jesus does There's nothing else like it here on this earth. There is no commercial. I mean, how many of you have heard all of the prescription commercials? Like, but then at the, then there's a clause at the end. So, so I, I'm having back surgery, I think this fall. It's scheduled for November 18th. And, um, and so that's my plan. But my doctor wanted me to see about getting on a a non-narcotic med to help um, with my pain. And so I went to a rheumatologist and he said, well, why don't you try, why don't you try this? And he's like, have you heard of it? I was like, of course, it's one of like the, the commercials that you see on TV. Like I can picture it now, like old, older, older, not old. I'm sorry. <laughs> older people. Not being able to walk and then being able to walk and run and and be active. But then what happens at the end of the commercial? This medication may cause kidney failure, liver failure. You may die taking this. And so I said, he said, you know all of the risks. Yeah, I hear them on the TV. But here's the thing with Jesus. There is no disclaimer. There's no disclaimer with him. There's no risk with Jesus. (laughs) He is faithful. So often what I see happening is people getting up to follow Jesus, but still running in chains. So I see people getting up to follow Jesus and they're so excited and, and, but they're still running with, with chains around their ankles chains around their arms. I was gonna have someone demonstrate like Steph or Christina or Katie tonight um, this action, but I was actually afraid for my friends' lives that <laughs> it would be a tripping hazard. <laughs> so, listen y'all, freedom is not perfection, but freedom means that we are free from our chains. And so when we become a follower of Jesus Christ, we are learning how to walk differently. But freedom is accessible to us. In Galatians 5.1, it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. See, the gospel is the only thing in this entire world that has the power to save and set us free. It is the only thing. There is no substance. 
There is no crystal. There is no thing. There's no one. There is nothing that has the power to set our souls free. I grew up in church. I loved Jesus from the time I was little. I remember feeling his presence at a really young age. My my great-grandparents had radical encounters with Jesus in fields by themselves. They didn't know Jesus at all and the presence of God came on their wagon. I heard the stories. I'd experienced them. I don't really ever remember feeling forced to go to church. I I liked to be there, I think. My mom may say differently, but I wanted to be there. I I liked going to Sunday school. I liked my teachers. I, I wanted to be in youth group. I wanted to do all of those things, but, but somewhere along the way, you know, especially in my teen years, my identity started to shift, you know? It started to wander. I started to, to look for fulfillment and and happiness, and acceptance, and all of those things in in the wrong places. I mean, y'all have all heard my story. If you haven't, I can send you videos of it. But it wasn't until I really understood that this Jesus thing, this, this following him, was really literally about following him. It was literally about relationship with him, that he wanted to be my friend that he wanted to be my guide, that he wasn't out to keep me from having fun. He wasn't out to dampen my day or to ruin uh, my party. He was out to protect me. He was out to keep me. And he was out to love me extravagantly. And until I began to really live that out and begin really a true relationship with him, an intimate relationship with him, I didn't experience freedom in my life. I'm gonna tell y'all the list of things I have had to get free from and I still work through. Because again, freedom isn't about perfection. Freedom is a process. I had to get free from people pleasing. It's paralyzing to me in my younger years, especially my, as a child and as a teenager, I wanted to make everyone happy. I didn't want to disappoint anyone. I didn't want to disappoint my friends. I didn't want to rock the boat. I had to get free from people pleasing. I had to get freedom from perfection. I've always said I'm my own worst critic and I just strove for perfection and, and everything. I wanted my house to be perfect. I wanted everything to look perfect. Freedom from striving. Again, my relationship with Jesus looked more like a bunch of check boxes to mark versus a time that I really sat with the friend of God, as a friend of God, as someone who could hear from him, as someone who could be seen and known and loved by him. I had to get free from pride. 
pride keeps us back. It keeps us from confessing. It keeps us from true intimate relationships with others. It keeps us from true intimate relationship with God. I had to get free from pride. I had to get free from keeping up with the Joneses. In my early 20s, that's what I strove for. I wanted a really nice car. I wanted the best house. I wanted to look a certain way. I wanted my hair to be a certain way. I strove to keep up with the Joneses and all that left me was empty and in a lot of debt. I had to get free from body shame. My whole life I have struggled with how I've looked. My entire life. From as little, as young as I can remember, I have struggled. And I did not struggle with weight until I had children. All right, I'm not, I'm giving you younger ones hope though. I had to get free from body shame. I had to get free of the opinions of others when I would lose weight or gain weight. I had to break free from body shame. I had to break free from shame of my past mistakes. And you all know if you've heard my story, shame was such a huge part of my life. That statement of if they only knew what I have done, if they only know what I've been through, they would never love me, they would never accept me, they would kick me out of the school, they wouldn't let me pastor, they wouldn't, you know, all of these things, I, I let shame control my life dictate my life. I had to get free from shame of my past mistakes because Jesus had forgiven me. He had wiped the slate clean. I was free in Jesus' name. Shame had no place in my life, but I was still carrying it around like a blanket. I had to get free from control. Every single one of you in this room struggle with control. I know you do because it's innate in us as humans. Control is actually where all of our issues stem from because we want control of how our lives go and we want a say in how it plays out. But the more we try to control, the less control we actually have. And then we spin more and more out of control. It's this ugly, ugly cycle. So I had to get free from control. I had to get free from anxiety. Now I said this weekend in my message that I believe, I believe there are mental illnesses. I was a mental health professional before becoming a pastor. I believe there are true mental illnesses, but I also believe there are, that I personally was a woman who carried around anxiety, who experienced anxiety and depression because of control. And until I surrendered, that control to Jesus, I could not be free. And when I did, I was free in Jesus' name. When Emma was little, she was really sick. She had whooping cough when she was 11 weeks old and was in the hospital for three and a half weeks. And actually we're calling in Alicia's youth pastors at the time, there are campus pastors in Blairsville and Austin, Texas. And we were at home in Fort Worth, Texas for Thanksgiving. And that's when Emma as it was having trouble breathing. And so I took her to a kid's hospital there and they admitted her with whooping cough. And um, from there on out for the, la for the next five years of her life, she was always sick. So as a mom who had a child that was always sick, I was always trying to control 
trying to control her environment, trying to make sure she didn't get sick, trying to make sure that we didn't bring any germs in the house, getting the best vacuum, like all of the things, you know, I was trying to control. But, but what happened in that season of my life in my late 20s was I developed this monster of anxiety. And Mel will tell you, like I was a totally different person. I was angry. I was anxious. I would spout off for nothing. But it was all because I was trying to control. I, I had to get free from gossip. I had to get free from talking with other women or with other girls about other girls and women. I had to get free from gossip. I had to get free from overeating and undereating both. I had to get free from. I had to get free from feeling not good enough. Y'all are like, Kim, your list is really long. But I just want you to know, like, I'm real. I'm a real human. You can pinch me. I experience all of these things. I, I had to get free from not feeling good enough. I had to get free from feeling better than. I had to get free from feeling better than other people, thinking I was a better Christian, thinking I was better than. I had to get free from father wounds. I'm so glad I did. I had to get free from father wounds. I had to get free from pastor wounds. Not my current pastor, but I had to get free from pastor wounds. I had to get free from friendship wounds. <laughs> All of you ladies in the room know about friendship wounds because they happen when you're really young as a female, do they not? I mean, like kindergarten is when I remember my first mean girl. Heather, you were a kindergarten teacher, you know. <laughs> but freedom from friendship wounds. Freedom from romantic relationship wounds in the past. I'll say in the past. But Mel and I haven't all, like, we've had to deal with our own stuff. But freedom from romantic relationship wounds. Freedom from trying to be the best Christian. Freedom from trying, freedom from not being the best Christian. Freedom from insecurity. Freedom from overworking. Freedom from depression. Freedom from anger. Freedom from debt. Freedom from regret from the wounds that I personally have inflicted on others. It's a big one for me. Freedom from unforgiveness towards myself. My mom, and again, if you know my story, if you don't know my story, you just feel like I'm leaving you out, but my mom was bound for decades because of my story, because of her part in it. And as a mom, she, she wore that heaviness of, I should have kept my daughter from going down that path. 
So she, my mom wore shame for, for decades, for decades, far longer than I did. I got free much sooner than she did. A mom in, in the last few years has gone through her own freedom process at her church. My mom is a saint. She's not someone that you would pick to be like, you're gonna go through freedom class. <laughs> not my mom. But she did because she knew she had to get free. She was carrying around this baggage for decades. And her generation, right, doesn't talk about their baggage. She was embarrassed to go to a counselor because she was told only sick people needed to go to counseling. I had to like, mom, you know I'm a therapist, right? Like, come on. I, she went to freedom and she, she's given me permission to share this, but her um, freedom coach, freedom counselor at her church, my mom was just telling her all of, all of the guilt she was carrying. And my mom really felt like it was her responsibility to carry the guilt. That as a mom, it was her responsibility to carry the guilt and shame because if she didn't, then she wasn't paying the price that she needed to pay. That's what she, the lie she believed. And so the counselor looked at her and said, do you not think the cross was enough? Do you not think that Jesus dying on the cross was enough for your sin? And my mom just had this moment, like it was a freedom moment. It set her free and she's never been the same. You can be free from decades of shame and guilt in Jesus' name in a moment, like my mom. Freedom from the need to be cool. Oh. It was exhausting <laughs> as a child and as a teenager and as a young adult. Wow, was it exhausting. And even, even like into my early 30s. Freedom from the need to be cool. Freedom from the need to fit in. Freedom from a pit of despair. So I don't know what you need to be free from tonight, but that's a part of my list. That's the list I could come up with today. I am free. And all of this isn't like, it wasn't like all at once I experienced this. It's like in different seasons, there were different things. So the, again, freedom does not equal perfection. But once, you, once Jesus has set you free from something, you know that he can do it again in your life. And you know he can do it again in your life. But what you have to do is you have to stay surrendered. You have to stay committed. You have to stay in relationship with him. So there is freedom in Christ and your job, our job, is to remain in him. John 15, four through eight says, remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh, the times that I thought I could do it apart from him. I always 100% of the time ended up in a pit every time I thought I could do it without him. 
Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and wither. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want. And it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So what does remaining look like? It means being in his word. I hear so many Christians say, Kim, I do not read my Bible. I'm not here to condemn you tonight. There were decades that I did not read it faithfully and I was a pastor's wife. But I am here to tell you that I cannot live, breathe, and move without it today. I cannot. It is your lifeline, his word. You remain in him by being in scripture, by being in the word of God. And if you don't understand it, that is the importance of being in community where they can help. I always tell when, I mean, I led college young adult groups at um, my house for, for years. Katie and Steph are, they're not products of that, but they, like, they were just little IUP students when they came in my home fruit. But I remember telling group after group after group, hey, there's no stupid questions in this group. And if you don't understand something that you're reading, I want you to say it. There's no stupid questions. I think it doesn't matter how old you get, we can get in this mindset that there's stupid questions, so I should know it. I should not ask, but that's a lie from the enemy. God would never say that to you. There's no stupid questions. You have to remain in the word. You have to remain in godly community. You have to remain connected. See, Ann Voskamp says, bind yourself to Christ and you are free from everything else that binds. If you stick to him, it doesn't mean that you won't have pain and suffering because that's a part of being here on this earth, but he will always provide a way out. He will always give you what you need in that moment. We need community. We need to be confessing to one another the things that are going on in our lives. This row of women right here are women that I confess to on a regular basis when I'm struggling. I don't have this relationship as a senior pastor that I'm like, I, none of my staff can know what I'm struggling with. That's not a thing because I, I want to be honest and real. And I know that if I ever think I don't have to confess anything that I'm, I'm beyond Jesus. And we need community. James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. Hebrews 12, one through three says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Throw off, let's throw off all the stuff that's keeping us tripped off, the, ch the chains that keep holding us back. Let's, let's strip it off and let's run. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus and let's do it together. John 8, 
The woman was caught in the act of adultery and, and she, she says to her accusers, you know, those without sin cast the first stone and none of them could do it. And they all had to leave and, and said, woman, where are your accusers? But then he tells her, go and sin no more. Go live a life that is worthy. See, I want y'all to know tonight that you are free to set free. That it is important for us to be telling our stories of what Jesus has done for us. And it does not mean you have to do it from a stage. But I hear so many Christians saying, Kim, I, I don't know how to share my story. It's simple. I was bound. I had sin. I couldn't save myself. I needed Jesus. And he came into my life and he has set me free. It's simple. You don't have to be eloquent. But we are called to share our stories because again, I cannot sit with you all one-on-one -on -one with each other, but you can sit one-on-one -on -one with each other. You can sit one-on-one -on -one with the women in your community and in your workplace and in your schools. You can sit with them one-on-one -on -one and tell them about the hope that you have found. The Revelation 12, 11 says, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We overcome by Jesus Christ and by our story that he has given us. And so many, so many women say, or, and girls, like, Kim, I don't have a story like yours to tell. And my response to that is praise Jesus that you don't have a story like mine to tell. I'm so thankful that's a miracle. But you do have a story because who in here didn't need a savior? Which one of you didn't need the cross? Which one of you has it all together and has never, ever, ever sinned in your whole life? I want to know you. Only, Jesus is the only one I'm aware of on this planet that has ever not sinned. From the moment you were a small child, you probably experienced pain. You experienced a wounding from your parents or your grandparents or a peer. And every single one of you were lost before you accepted Jesus as your savior because scripture tells us that there is no other name by which we can be saved. And here is what I want to leave us with tonight. Is here is the truth of the gospel. When we follow Jesus, when we begin to surrender our lives to him, when we begin to get in community and, and grow with one another and begin to confess to each other that every single one of us need Jesus, that none of us have it all together. When we express our need for Jesus and are like, Jesus, I'm sorry, I have tried to control things my whole life. When we begin to do these things, when you become a follower of Jesus, when you make that first decision here is what happens. Romans 8, 11 says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. When you say yes to Jesus, you become a new creation and the same spirit of God, the same spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead 
lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give you life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. See, I think it is time, ladies, for women who are expressing that they are broken and they will always be broken to remember that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. You can be free in Jesus' name. You can be free in Jesus' name. See, our stories are important to tell to others because it is not our story at all. I went and spoke for Pastor Miriam Fleming at Church Alive in New Jersey. She was at our She Is One Night in March, and I went and spoke to her women in July. And I wasn't planning on sharing my testimony at all, but literally sitting in worship, the Holy Spirit said, you're going to share your story right now. Um, it was the same week as Roe versus Wade was turned over. And I was like, well, Holy Spirit, I don't, I, don't, I don't want this to always be the thing that I tell, like... He said, no, you're going to do this. These women need to hear it. And that room was packed. It was this tiny room, like this section, but packed with 500 women. I'm not lying. <laughs> it was like packed. And I stood up in front of all of these strangers and I told my story and there were just tears flooding the room. And when I asked at the end who identified with my story, literally every other hand raised I saw chains broken that night because I knew it wasn't my story to tell. It was God's story of redemption. And when it's God's story of redemption and not our own story to pimp out, he changes lives. He sets the captives free. There were women in that room who had been held back by shame and fear for decades that were set free in one moment. I want Steph to come up here and talk about her experience in Zambia. I know several of you went with her and they just had such a powerful experience there. And you know, when Jesus left the disciples, he said to them, you will do greater things than I. And that's hard to grasp. Like why would Jesus tell humans that they would do greater things than him? But you guys got to experience the power of Christ within you in Zambia. So tell us about that. Yeah, so I'll share um, just what God has taught me, basically, because I do think that, especially for the people that went, that it's not just something that God was like, you specific people get to experience, but I think it's a message, actually, as Kim is saying, that he wants us to tell um, because it has impacted us so deeply. And so I, um, before I even begin with the story, I personally felt like I had grown a bit dull to um, God's power and what he could really do. And so I want to encourage you in saying, don't let your circumstances dictate your faith. Don't let what you see dictate how, how much you believe like God really is that powerful. Does that make sense? And so we had gone uh, to Zambia and we got back this past Tuesday. And so we were there for about 14 days, but we had gone to um, the most remote, uh, some of the most remote places in Zambia. And so that's the goal of the organization we went with. Let's go to places 
where it's hard to get to. Um, it's hard to reach people in these rural places. It's hard to, to access those places, or maybe people don't want to do it because it's inconvenient. And so took a four-hour drive on a military truck. Well, that was just when we actually got to Zambia. It's a whole other story of how long it takes to get there. But um, four-hour drive to uh, this rural area, these rural parts. And then um, from there, we, we set up a camp, and we would walk home to home. We'd get up. We'd put our little day pack on and walk home to home, be a 30-minute walk this way, and we'd be like, okay, where's the next house? And they would say, just there. And it was a 45-minute walk that way, and we got our steps in, that's for sure. No one took our Fitbits, because, but uh, anyway, um, I guess Apple watches. I'm still old, and I wear a Fitbit, but that's okay. Um, ancient. But anyway, so we did home to home ministry and we literally were told go and share the gospel, right? This is before people need anything else, they need Christ. And so we did um, an evangelism, obviously focused trip. And so I'm going to be honest, I was nervous. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm the leader. Act like you know what you're doing. I'm the pastor. I'm like, okay, do I know how to share the gospel? I think so. And uh, anyway, so we would go to homes and we would, we would explain, uh, hey, we're not here to start a church. We're we're here to support the local churches that exist. Um, and we would talk to them, begin to ask them questions. And, and it would lead to things that are going on in their lives or a discussion of like, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? And there were so many discussions that it led to. Um, but in a particular instance, we were uh, sitting on a tarp on the dirt ground. And I, you're not supposed to have your shoes on, so I had my shoes off. And um, we were talking to this woman named Ruth who had just expressed that she had actually been attending a church where they were doing potions and witchcraft and not biblical things and just adding on to you have to do the gospel plus all of this right and so we just had this nice like breakthrough moment with her where she's like yeah I actually I'm I'm really convicted like she was a believer but had switched to a church because of something going on in her life she had been bleeding for 10 years and so one of the magnificent things that I realized in Zambia is like oh um, let's see what scripture says. So we open to the book. Uh, um, I forget. Now I'm forgetting where it is. John, um, where the woman was bleeding um, for 12 years. And we talked about that. And that's when she said, actually, yeah, the, the Holy Spirit has convicted me of that. And, and we said, well, would you, would you be willing to go to a church where they're preaching the true gospel? And she says, yes, I'm, we're going to switch here. Is your husband going to be okay with that? And she's like, yes. And as soon as she like agreed with that, this man walked up out of nowhere, whom we first thought was her husband. And um, we were like, oh boy, this man does not look happy. It does not look like this guy is about to let her go to a different church. And she became very awkward. And uh, to be honest, he, he came up and he was intimidating. He, he'd shake our hands as we're on the ground like this. And he was sweating and he looked angry. And I thought like, oh no, I might need to put my shoes on right now discreetly because like, I'm, I'm dead serious. I was like, I, I don't know if, if he's about to do something or if this is spiritual right now. And so um, honestly, it was this like overcoming feeling that all of us felt at the same time, first a bit, first a bit like unsettled and then like, no, this is spiritual. Like the Holy Spirit has made it clear this is spiritual. And so as this man kind of continued to stick around, uh, we realized, number one, it was not her husband. It was their neighbor, like a 40-minute neighbor. But anyway, um, but uh, we, he just was so, he was so like snarky and, and just like, 
I, I can't even explain, like, just like, you could see, like, he was rattling things off, obviously in another language, but we're like, something's really off, right? So we were like, this man is, is possessed by a demon. And, um, and it just became very clear. And so we asked him, sir, sir, what's your name? And he said, my name is Mudenda. And he would just kind of rattle off again. And, um, we just explained to him, we were, we were just talking to Ruth about Jesus. And actually we believe that Jesus, have you heard of him? He can set you free. Here's what he did. And, uh, he would be like, uh, rattle off again. And he talked about the voices that he heard in his head. He talked about, um, just the, the, uh, yeah, there's the torture that he seems to go through in his mind. And then he said, like, I don't, like, I don't want your Jesus. You don't know what's happened because people have prayed for me before and they've died. And we we're like, oh, okay. Um, uh, <laughs> regroup. Okay, Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. Um, and so anyway, there was this woman that, that I just respect so much who, who just like knew the authority that she had in Christ. And she looked at this man and as he is just still angry, still just sweating, she said, in the name of Jesus, demon be silent. I want to speak to Mudenda. And I watched everything in his face changed. I watched him sit like lower, his sh like shoulders went down, his face, he stopped sweating, his whole face changed. And I genuinely was like, oh my gosh, like she just actually in the name of Jesus silenced the demon. And it was then that I also was like, this man, I mean, this, this person in front of me is a man. Like he's not a, he's not a demon, but he is possessed by a demon. And it really like made me realize he's a human who needs Jesus, right? He's a human who needs set free. And I know this feels like we're, we're talking maybe about the extreme because demons feel like on the extreme end, right? But um, I'm telling you the extreme thing so you can understand how much power God has. Um, and so we asked him again, do you want us to pray for you? And he, he, you could see the demon literally come back and speak for him, like rattling. And we were like, okay, well, if he doesn't want it, like he has to want it, he has to receive it. So if he doesn't, then we, we can't do anything, you know? And so then um, the lady, began, well, we began to say like, Mudenda, Christ is the only one who can set you free. And he said, okay, you can pray for me. So we moved him to a shady area and he sat down on the bucket and he said, I want to be free, but I don't want God's will. And we were like, well, we can't pray for that because God wants you to be free. That is his will. And, uh, and then you could see it like the back and forth, the back and forth. And that, and that's when I was like, God's about to do something. Like you could see all of us in our, in our, we're stirred up in our faith. Like God is so much greater. His, his Holy spirit is going to work. And, um, I forgot my Bible. I was going to bring it up here. But anyway, um, we started talking to him and saying, in the name of Jesus, be silent. We want to talk to Mudenda. And he really started to listen. And we began to read him scripture because there's not only authority that we have in Christ, there's authority in, the, in scripture because it is inspired by God, right? And so we read um, the story in Mark 5 where a demon is released from a man and it goes into the pigs. Thank you so much. Um, this is my Bible. Uh, 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 that's my notebook. Um, so, so if you can, if you can imagine being in front of a man who is possessed by a demon, and you're like, 
I'm going to read the scripture to him right now. And please, God, do something. So um, this, this is like the actual scripture. It says, They arrived, and when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came from the cemetery to meet him. And it talks about how he would, he would scratch himself with rocks, and he was so possessed, no one wanted to be around him. But it says, When Jesus was some distance away, um, the demon cried out, cried out, Jesus, Son of God, Most High, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said, come out of the man, you evil spirit. And so it talks about how he was freed, how he was completely different. And then at the end, it says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go to go with him. Um, earlier, I, I actually skipped this part. It says that the demons asked for permission. They said, send us into the pigs. And it says, and Jesus gave them permission. And it was like, Jesus gave permission for the demons to leave, you know? Um, and so anyway, this, we, we begin to read this story, and then this uh, woman on our team gets a word like, you've been saying the demon has all this power, but really he's just so small. And the power that he has is just so, it's nothing compared to the power of Christ. And if you receive him, you're gonna experience that. And so um, we offered that to him. Mudenda, do you wanna be free? Do you wanna be free? And he said, I'm free. I'm free in Jesus' name. And we were like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was so incredible because we were like, wait, 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 we didn't pray for you. We didn't pray for you. We didn't do that yet. And, and I think sometimes as, as Westerners, or maybe it's just me, like I want a formula. Okay, God, how do you want me to get free? Do I need to do this? Do I need to go on my knees? Do I need to do this? And he's like, no, you just need to want me and only me. Like just receive me and only me. I am enough. I am powerful. I am greater. And so he, it was the most peaceful um, transition. And, and I just want to read this scripture. It says in 2 Peter 1, 3, by his di divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. You and I, I didn't feel confident going up to cast out a demon, but I was reminded by the faith of others, no, the power of Christ lives in me. I actually later was asked to cast a demon out of a 13-year-old girl named Emma. Emma just left, but her name was Emma. Um, and I was like, I was scared. I was scared. I brought Christina with me. and was like, Christina, come with me. I'm scared. And, and then we started praying. And one of the translators that was there with us knew. She could sense my fear and said, you don't have to be afraid. And I was like, I don't. And we prayed and the demon was cast out. And, and so just understanding that when, when God's spirit, when you receive Christ, his spirit is inside of you. And I know Kim said that, but there is the actual power of Jesus that raised Christ from the dead that lives in you. And so often I feel like we water down the gospel. We water down our faith to say, um, it's all about us or we're not, we're not living lives where we say, this is, my life is fully consecrated to God. It's set apart for God. Whatever he says to do, I will do. And we can live with that. Um, we can walk in the spirit in that way. We can live that way where we hear the voice of God and we say, this person needs to hear this right now, or I'm supposed to pray for this person right now. And we can actually live that way. The gospel is not just a story that we have heard since we were maybe in church when we were younger. It has so much more power, transformational power than that. People 
can go from the actual darkness, right? The kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And we, as the body of Christ, we get to, I just believe that we, we can be accessing um, the supernatural way more than we actually give ourselves credit for, uh, not ourselves, but God. And so, uh, yeah, Jesus told his disciples, all authority on, in, has been given to me. Now go, therefore go and make disciples. His authority has been given to you, has been given to me. His authority to cast out demons, his authority to speak life, his authority to pray to the Father, his authority for all has been given to you. And he says in John 14, 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, Kim said this, right? So we can do even greater things. That's not just a nice thing that Jesus says. It's not just like a kind thing. Jesus didn't give us his spirit to be more kind. He gave us his spirit to shake up the earth so people would know him. So that's all I got. Let's live with the authority of Christ. I wanted Steph to, to share that because like, right, that's an extreme story about the power of God, that he is living and active. See, the scripture says that he, that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. But what it's actually referring to is Jesus. He is sharper than any two-edged sword. So if that same God, that just by that man saying, in the name of Jesus, I'm free, was set free from a demon he had had his whole life. That same God, if that same Jesus exists here, which he does, because he's omnipresent, then why do you think that your shame is too small? for you to be set free in Jesus' name? Why do you think your control issues are too small? If you say, I'm free in Jesus' name, if he can set a man free from a demon, if the demons have to bow to the name of Jesus, then your control issue is a piece of cake for our God. This book, You Are Free by Rebecca Lyons, I, I read it a long time ago. I read it in like 24 hours and I highly recommend it. But the foreword is written by Ann Voskamp and the Holy Spirit asked me to go pick up this book today. And I really feel like I'm supposed to share this as my closing. Ann Voskamp is a, an incredible poet. So she says things a lot more eloquently and poetically than I do. But she says, my granddad told me a story once and that story became a light, a light that unlocks the dark and releases you into the land of a thousand suns. Apparently, so the story went, there had been a tropical snake longer than the length of a man that wound its way up the stilts of a jungle cabana and slithered right into one unsuspecting woman's kitchen. I hate snakes, it'd be terrifying. I can't handle a little grass snake, much less a snake the length of a man. That woman turned around, split the day with one blood-curdling scream and flung herself outside wide-eyed. That's about when a machete-wielding neighbor showed up, calmly walked into her kitchen and sliced off the head of the reptilian thing. 
The strange thing is that a snake's neurology and blood flow make it such that a snake still slithers wild even after it's been sliced headless. For hours, that woman stood outside waiting and the body of the snake still rampaged on, thrashing hard against windows and walls, destroying chairs and table and all good things and home. My granddad turned to say it and I can tell you it felt like proclamation of emancipation. A snake can only wreak havoc until it accepts it has no head, that it's actually dead. The enemy of your soul can only wreak havoc in your life until you accept that it's actually dead and you're already free. Be who you already are, be free because you are already free. Your enemy is dead, so silence the lies in your head. No enemy can't imprison you because your Savior empowers you. Nothing can hold you in bondage because you are held by Him. Not one thing can hold you back because His arms are holding you. Christ doesn't say you can be or may be will be free. He says you are free and free indeed. You are free, free indeed. That is the Jesus that dwells within you if you follow him and you are a believer and you accept him as Lord of your life. And I realize there may be some of you in here tonight that you say, Kim, I just showed up with my friend tonight. She invited me. I didn't really know what I was coming to. And I'm not a follower of Jesus. Well, the good news is you can accept him at any time and you will be free. In Jesus' name. Ladies, as always, thank you so, so much for tuning in to this episode of the She Is Community Podcast. If you want to be notified when we release new episodes, be sure to subscribe anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I'm sure there are many more, but we want you to be in the know when we are releasing new episodes. We've got one more episode to finish out this year, so be sure to tune in next week to hear Pastor Kim's message from our She Is Conference back in October, She Is Marked. Ladies, have a wonderful rest of your day.